right, so we're starting our third and final message this morning in this series, The Power of Clarity. We're looking at the book of Habakkuk. It's a short book. It's written by what we call a minor prophet. That means um, there were some major prophets who said some pretty major things, and it took them lots of pages in the Bible. But there are 12 guys who um, are called minor prophets, and they just read, wrote um, a few pages. So Habakkuk was um, a prophet. A prophet means someone who speaks God's truth to the people. Habakkuk is the only prophet in the Bible who speaks back to God on behalf of himself and the people in which God's asking him to speak to. And the first thing that Habakkuk says to God is, how long, God? How long is this world going to be so broken and so messed up? How long are you going to keep these things going on. And we looked at the first chapter of Habakkuk in the first week, and we learned that God, through Habakkuk, we learned that God asks you to get clear with God. You no longer have to hide the things in the world that we need to complain about or that we need to share with God. You don't have to hide those things from God anymore. Share those things with God. Get clear with God about the pain you see in the world, about the brokenness that you see in the world. And if it makes you angry, if it stirs up a fire in your belly, share that with God. Because we learned that as you get clear with God about the things in your life or in our world that are hurting, in a way you're telling God, use me to do something about it. So the first thing that Habakkuk teaches us about the power of clarity in our lives is to get clear with God. That's what we learned about the very first week. The second thing that we learned last week was that you need to get clear about the vision or purpose that God has for your life. So uh, Habakkuk goes outside, he stands up on a wall, he looks out over this city that is corrupt, it's broken, the leadership's messed up, the rich people are getting richer, the poor people are getting poorer. Does this sound familiar? People who are doing wrong things are getting ahead in life. People who are doing the right and good things are getting further behind in life. Does this sound familiar? There's plague or pandemics. There's pestilence. There are things, all these things that are wrong in the world and things just are, are a total mess. And Habakkuk goes out and he stands up on a wall and he says, God, it's time for you to speak. I don't like the way you're fixing these problems. It's time for you to speak. And God says, Habakkuk, you've been given a purpose. I called you into this position to be a prophet and a priest. You know the vision that I have for you and for the people. Write it down and put it clearly in a place where the people will chase after it. Where the people will chase after it. So the second thing that we learned about last week is get clear about the vision or purpose God has for your life. Get quiet. Spend some time with God. Take a three, like a 3,000 foot view of your life to get a better understanding of what God's purpose is in your life. That's the second thing we learned. If you want God's clarity to give you power in your life to just absolutely run after a vision with other people, then you need to write that vision down and you need to, to make it clear so that people will run after that vision with you. But Habakkuk, like, goes back to, to the way life is, and he's like, things aren't better yet, God. There's still pain and suffering in the world, God. What are we going to do about this? And God says to Habakkuk, and he ends the second chapter, he says to Habakkuk, I'm still in my holy temple. Let the earth be silent before me. 
This week, maybe you're asking the same question. There's still pain and suffering in the world. Even if I'm clear about the vision God's given me, even if I'm clear about the pain and brokenness that I see in the world, there are still problems in our world. There is still suffering. And so maybe, just maybe, like me this week, you started asking the question, then why is there a God? Why is there God? What's a point of a relationship with God if there's still going to be suffering in the world? What's the point? Why do we even have a relationship? Why do we need a relationship with God if there's still going to be suffering and pain and brokenness in the world? And here's the deal. God loves you so much. I need you to hear me. Healthy relationships mean that people have the ability to make decisions in their lives and work towards those decisions. That also means that we experience circumstances or um, consequences, not circumstances, maybe circumstances. Consequences is the word I'm looking for. (laughs) Um, That we experience consequences when we make those decisions, right? But healthy relationships mean that you have room in your life to make decisions and then to deal with the consequences of those, good or bad. That's the kind of relationship God wants with you. God gives us free will to make decisions. So God's not up on top of the heavens right now controlling all of us like puppets. God's given you free will to make decisions because God wants a healthy and good relationship with you. God has done that. So because of that, we make decisions that are broken or bad or bring evil into the world, right? It's so the, the decisions that we make cause broken and suffering in the world. God doesn't cause suffering and brokenness in the world. God is a good God who fills this world with goodness and love and uses people just like you to do it. But sometimes we make decisions that don't bring about God's goodness and love into the world. And instead we see ourselves looking out at the world like Habakkuk and saying, this world is broken. People are making decisions that are hurting one another. We start saying, do you know how bad those other people are? Anybody said that? Do you know what they're doing to us and to our lives? We start saying that and then we become blind to the things that we do that are broken and bringing bringing suffering into the world. Our actions have consequences. And God wants us, God wants us to get clear about the brokenness and suffering and pain in our lives and in the world. That's step one of the power of clarity. The second thing that God wants us to do is get clear about the vision and purpose that we should be chasing after every single day. And the third thing, this is the, this is the order of Habakkuk. The third thing that God wants us to do is change our perspective of how we're living now. So God says, get clear about the suffering and pain and brokenness in your world. Get clear about the purpose of where you're headed. Get clear about that vision. Set your eyes on it and run after it. But that's going to mean that things right now in the present is going to change. So the third way that we're going to get clarity, the power of God's clarity in our lives, is if we get a new perspective on what we are experiencing right now in our lives what we're experiencing right now in our lives. So you might be asking, Erica, how in the world do we do that? So naturally, us humans have this way of of interpreting the world. It's called schema, S-C-H-E-M-A, schema. It's a word that, that, that means that how we see things, how we interpret or perceive the world around us comes from actions and, and things we've learned our whole lives. So here's what I mean. If you see a red hexagon with a white four-letter word across it, across it what do you do? You stop, right? What if you go to another country and you're at an intersection and there's a green sign that 
in a circle and it has some word across it, what are you probably going to do? You're going to go, right? Because that's what our bodies taught us to do. That's what our, our brains told us to do. We've learned to stop at red hexagons and we've learned to go at green circles. But what if in this country that we're visiting, the, the word across the sign actually says stop? You're causing a whole lot of trouble, right? Because you're operating in a way that's not helpful for the situation that you're in. That's exactly where some of us are in our lives. And that's why after we've got clear about the pain and brokenness in our life and in the world, after we've got clear about the vision, we've got to change the way we act, the way we see things and the way we act right now. And God is ready to change our perspectives and the way we see things right now. God's ready to change our schema. It takes Sometimes it takes lots and lots and lots of work to change our schema and the way our brain works. And we're going to talk this morning about how God... God can change the way that we see things. How God can begin to change our schema, the way we see things and interpret it. Because so many of us do one of three things when we see pain and suffering and problems in our world. The first is we get hits, H-I-T-S, head in the sand. Let me just bury my head and pretend like the world isn't falling apart around me. Anybody do this? I there's conflict at work, I'm going to pretend like there's no conflict. Um, I, there's Things are falling apart in the family, I'm going to pretend like everything's fine right here and I'm just going to smile my way through it, right? We put our head in the sand and we pretend like there's not brokenness and pain anywhere around us because that's all we know to do and it's worked for us for a long time, right? We put our head in the sand. We see this in our world all the time. Let's just pretend like things aren't messed up and broken around us. Let's just put our head in the sand. Or the second thing we do is we kick it in overdrive, right? You, you, you start exercising for an hour and a half instead of 30 minutes. You, you start working 80 or 90 hours a week instead of 40. You start overperforming as a parent or as a, a spouse or a girlfriend. Like, let's just, I will strive. I will work really hard. I'll put extra hours in. I won't sleep. I will kick it into overdrive, and I will outrun the problems and the pain and the suffering in my world. And you know why you do that? Because it's worked for you. It's worked for you for years. Anybody here kick it into overdrive? Is that your way to deal with pain and suffering and brokenness in your life or in the world around you? Let's just kick it in to overdrive and go as fast as we can around the away from the problem. Or the third thing, the third thing you do is you plant those feet, you dig the heels in the ground, and you're like, I've done this way of dealing with problems my whole life, and nothing about me is changing. I'm not changing my position. I'm not changing how I think or how I see the world. Every single day I'm going to get up at this time, and I'm going to go to bed at this time, and I'm going to do this thing and this thing and this thing, and I'm not changing one thing about the way I see the world, the way I hear anything in the world. I'm not changing anything. I am, I, I can, I'm not very good at this, but I'm committed. I'm sticking my feet in the ground right here and I'm not moving and it's because that's worked for you for a really long time but God God wants you to get clear about what you're doing right now because God might want to change what you're doing as you chase after that vision that God has for you this week I looked at a mentor on Monday afternoon we we're on a zoom call and he said how are you doing Erica I said I'm not doing good I have no earthly idea how to move forward anymore. I live in a world where COVID has destroyed literally everything in my life. And he says, 
I, I told him, I said, I just want to pretend like none of this is happening. I just want us to go on and pretend like it's not happening. And he said, oh, what are you preaching about on Sunday? I said, Habakkuk, and I'm going to talk about how people have head in the sand syndrome. And he's like, oh, okay, you are? That's cool. <laughs> You're going to talk about that? And I was like, oh, thank you, Tom. I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. But, like, th- because that way has worked for us for so long, right? Because that's what we do. We uh, do one of those three things because if we got really clear about the grief of all the things we've lost in the last two years, we might not be able to handle it. If we got really clear about that, we might break. Some of us are here this morning, you're like, Erica, I am breaking. I am breaking from the grief and pain of the season that I'm walking through right now. Or maybe, or maybe, you know, Kicking it into overdrive has worked for you for a long time because if we stopped and looked at the news and read about the things that are happening to women or immigrants or people in Haiti or people in New Orleans or Louisiana after the hurricane or wherever, like if we started to actually look at that pain and suffering and brokenness at our own elementary schools where people are falling further and further behind because they've had to do virtual school and quarantine and not have enough food, if we actually had to look at that pain and brokenness we might literally break. And some of us feel like we are. Some of us feel like we are. God's vision for the world we have right now is not the one we're living. It's one where kids are screaming and laughing and loving Jesus, right? That's the kind of world that we want. We don't have to bury our head in the sand and pretend like they're not out there learning about a Jesus who loves them and wants to use them to bring goodness in the world. We don't have to do that this morning. We can thank God that God is at work. Because let's be clear about that. God isn't causing the pain and suffering in our world, but God wants to use every single person in this room for a purpose beyond just coming to church. God wants to set you free to chase after the vision God has for this world and for you. God wants you shining light and igniting change. God wants you connecting with people and groups in our community. God wants to form you as a generous person who gives generously of your time and your money. God wants to use you to impact a world desperate for God's good news, God's wholeness and love. God God wants to use you for that in the world. But that means we have to get clear about the perspective that we have, what we're doing right now in our world. So as I'm talking to my mentor, I finally looked at him and I said, I'm really mad at God. COVID has practically destroyed our church. And he said, stop, it's not destroyed your church. I've looked at your numbers. I've evaluated all the things that you're doing. I see your small groups. I see what you're doing at Sheremonte Elementary School. I see what you're doing at the Gandhi Civic Center. Stop saying that. God's using your church to do what God's called your church to do. But I said in March of 2020, right before we had to shut down from the pandemic, the, the auditorium was full by all means of things. We, had, we were on the path to be successful church planners. And he said, so God may be asking you to start a different kind of church right now. Get clear about what God wants you to do right now now. And I said, you don't understand how hard this is. I don't know if what I'm doing is working right now. You don't understand what all we're doing. You just don't understand, Tom. And he said, Erica, do you remember when God looked at Habakkuk and said, but I am still in my holy temple. Let the earth be silent before me. Can somebody go tell those kids that's what God said? (laughs) The Lord is in the holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. 
He said, I'm going to get off this call, and I'm going to let you be silent for a few minutes. And I was like, okay. And for a few minutes, I just took 10 really good deep breaths, and I was like, I feel uncomfortable, and I don't want to sit in this silence anymore. I'm going to work on my, my message um, some more today. And so I literally got out my Bible to read Habakkuk chapter 3 after saying what all I felt like God had done against me and for me and all the suffering and pain and brokenness in our world and in our church and in my life. I just, I, after being silent for a few minutes and just, and just saying, but God is still in his holy temple, just let me be silent before him. And I said, I'm just going to start working on this message. This is what I read. Habakkuk prays to God and he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I heard about what your plan is for the world. And I, I began to make that prayer my own. God, I heard about what you did. I know about what you did in my own life and in the lives of people I love through the mighty salvation act of Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again above all our suffering and pain and death and brokenness in the world. I know that that's what makes you God of the world. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I know it to be true. I stand in all of your deeds, oh Lord. I've watched you deliver people from addiction to sobriety. I've seen you heal marriages that shouldn't be healed. I've seen you work in the lives of children to bring them stability through families in our own church, in our, in our foster care system here. I've seen your mighty deeds, God. I stand in all of them. Renew them in our day. I said, God... Renew them right now in this day, in our day. In this time, make them known. Even in wrath, even when we deserve all of what we're experiencing because of our decisions of brokenness that we've put in the world, in our, even in wrath, God, remember your mercy. Remember your forgiveness. Remember the power of your love to set us free for different purposes. God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Para, Selah. We're going to talk about that word in a minute. His glory, God's glory, covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. I was so mad. And then I, I, I find myself praying with Habakkuk. God, your glory has covered the heavens and your praise fills the earth. Listen out there. God's praise fills the earth. His splendor is like the sunrise. Has anyone seen a sunrise this week? All those colors. God's splendor is like that rays flash from God's hand when power was hidden. When we didn't think you had the power to do things, God, there are thunderstorms that come out, out and we were, we were reminded how mighty and powerful you are, God. Plague and pandemic goes before God. Pestilence follows his steps, but he stood, he shook the earth, he looked, and he made the nations tremble. Because presidents and kings and emperors and dictators don't own the world, God does. And nations tremble because of it. And this sends cold chills on me every single time. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. Whatever mountains are in front of you, I was told as a little girl in a Southern Baptist church that I would never be able to stand up and share the message of God before people. And God crumbled that mountain. I was told that because of things I'd done in my life, my, the pain and brokenness I'd caused in the lives of other people, I would never be able to be a pastor. And God crumbled those hills, and that's what God's doing in your life and in our world. The age-old things that we've been told that's gotten our way of us running after that vision are crumbling, and they are collapsing right before us because that's who God is. His ways, God's ways are forever. They are eternal. I heard... 
and my, lip, and my heart pounded. My heart pounded as I read this. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. I will wait patiently for the day that God does what God says God's going to do. I will wait patiently for that day. Though the fig tree does not bud, anybody feel like this in your life? You planted things in your life and there are no buds on it. The fig tree isn't budding. There are no grapes on the vine. Have you planted and sowed things and you're not seeing fruit yet in your own life? Though the olive crop fails. God, we have tried thing after thing after thing in this season and nothing is growing right now. The fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord because I've remembered all of those things and God, you are, I'm going to be joyful in God my Savior, not in the things that I can create or plant or grow myself anyway. I will rejoice in the, in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior because the sovereign Lord is my strength not my circumstances. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer so I can chase after the purpose he's made clear in my life and for the people around me. He enables me to go to the heights. God enables me to do that. When God doesn't prevent suffering, God gives us perspective on suffering. God begins to show us things that we can do. He hands us a chisel to start knocking those walls down that God's ready for to crumble in our world. God, God gives us new eyes to see what things we can do to, to be a part of the goodness that God wants in the world. God uses our hands and our feet to chase after something different than all the things the world told us we have to chase after. When God doesn't prevent suffering and brokenness in this world, God gives us perspective on suffering right here and right now. There's a reason that God says get clarity on, on where you are, then get a vision about how you're going to run from it, and then you're going to get perspective and a new way of doing things from day to day right now. There's a reason Habakkuk works like this because this is how we get clarity in our lives because we've got to get clearer about the steps we're making right now as we chase after that vision God has given us. So you might be asking, God, Erica, how in the world? How, what's the first thing I can do today to change my perspective and the way I'm experiencing thing, things right now? And the first thing you can do is get a laser focus on God. After Habakkuk was silent, after I was silent, the first thing we started was remembering what God has done in your life before. The good things God is doing, the mighty act of salvation offered to us through Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose again. The God who, who called us to do whatever it is we're doing right now in this moment and has asked us to chase after it. As we make sure that pain and brokenness isn't the final word for people around us, not because of what we do, but because of the power we do it. Because of the power that we do it through because of what God gives us. Get a laser focus on God. My friend Amy Phillips told me this year in a small group, she says, the reason that people ask you to get up and have a morning quiet time where you read the Bible and you pray is because your defenses are the lowest in the morning. Your defenses are the lowest. So when you've woke up all day and you've just done all these things at night, that's a great time to pray. But if you really want to get a laser focus on God, set your alarm clock for 15 minutes early and spend some quiet time with God. Just try 15 minutes this week. Start with the Psalms. Read Psalm 1 and then just pray to God. Just sit in silence before God who is on his holy throne, right? 
Just spend some time in the morning when your defenses are still low. Get a laser focus on God and who God is and what God wants to do in the world. Get a laser focus on God. Let that be the first thing you do in the mornings when you get up, and then it begins to change how you see everything and do everything in the world. Get a laser focus on God. The second is, did y'all hear me say that word, selah? S-E-L-A-H. It's a Hebrew word. We actually don't know what it means. Scholars have studied this word for centuries, and we can't figure out what the Hebrew word selah means. But their best guess is it's always used in songs. So this was a song that Habakkuk was singing as a prayer to God. It's always used in songs. So there's a thing in music called a rest where you, the music sort of stops. You're still. And so they think selah means stop and rest. After he says a couple things to God, he stops. Habakkuk stops and is silent. If you've got your head in the sand, get up in a more comfortable position and stop and sit and be silent with God. If you're on overdrive and you just keep overperforming and doing more, put it on stop. Say la. Say la. If you are, if every bone in your body hurts because you are tense, because you are keeping those feet right where they're supposed to be and you're not budging, say la. Stop. Relax. Rest and listen to God. Say la. Laser focus on God. Say la. Stop what you're doing. Enjoy the silence and hear what it is God wants to do in you and through you. Say la. And the third thing is let go of old things. Those mountains in your life that keep you from running after the purpose God has for you, let them go. Run around them. If, if God's giving you a different path to run, don't stay with your feet in the ground like, no, I'm going up this mountain right now, God. I'm going to fight this fight. If God's inviting you to run around the mountain, chase after the vision God's given you. If God says, I want you to take this chisel and I want you to be a part of dismantling racism and all the other things in the world that's keeping our world from being what we're supposed to be, take the chisel and start chiseling. Whatever it is, that God is crumbling in your life, begin to let go of those old things. Begin to let them go. Last week, I talked about the vision that God had given me, but I never told you what the vision was. And this week, I got really clear about the vision. Because there was one other time in my life, there's been a couple times, but there's one other time that I really remember being really angry with God. Chris and I were dealing with infertility. We could not get pregnant. Chris's job wasn't moving forward the way we thought it was going to move. My job wasn't moving forward. I was failing at a church plant. Everything in our lives was absolutely falling apart and crumbling, and I had no idea how in the world we were going to do something new. And God gave us a verse. I, my very favorite verse in all of the Bible is Revelation 21.5. It's where God says to John of Patmos out on an island by himself, he says, behold, I am making all things new. That's what God says to, to John of Patmos. He says, tell the whole world, I am making all things new. I am making all things new is what God says. Write it down and trust these words for they are trustworthy and true. It's my favorite verse. So I made me an email address 
that Revelation 21.5, I made me an email address, but I forgot that it was 21.5, and I thought it was 22.5, so I made my email, my personal email address is ejallen225 at gmail.com. And so it wasn't the right verse <laughs> attached to my email address. So I, Chris and I are literally like in our living room, holding hands, praying, crying, mad and upset, and our lives had just absolutely fallen apart. And I looked at him and I said, let's just read Revelation 22.5. Let's just read Revelation 22.5, and that's what just fell out, but I can find it this week. Um, Revelation 22.5, and let's see what it says and see if that's the verse God wants for us for our lives. I'd never looked it up. I'd had that email address for like five years. I just knew it was wrong. I laughed about it. It was a chance to tell people, like, my favorite verse is actually 21.5. This is actually what it says, but I got it all mixed up. And this is what Revelation 22.5 says. There will be no more night. Anybody feel like you've been walking through the darkness for a long time? There's going to be a day. This is God's revelation, God's vision for the future. There's going to be a day where there's no more night. There's no more darkness. You people will not need the light of a lamp or the sun. The things we can create that make light happen, the things in the sky that give us light, you're not going to need those to end the night. For the Lord your God will give you light. And the people who follow and share that light will reign forever and ever. There's a day, there's a day coming when your goodness will shine a light that will never be extinguished. Not because you're good, not because of what you offer to the world, but because of the power given to you by God through Jesus Christ that you will share in the world. It is, it is power that will light up the darkest night. That is the vision that we had for our church. A few months later, I was called by the Florida Conference. Chris and I were called, and they asked us to move here to South Tampa to start a new church. I do not think it's a coincidence. I do not think that it's a coincidence that I was given Revelation 22.5 and asked to chase after it in the same season they asked me to start this new church. And so that's what we're going to start doing here, folks. We're going to get clarity about the brokenness and pain in our world. We're going to get clear about the vision God has for us. There's no more night, and God's going to use people just like you to shine light and ignite change in the world. And we're going to change the steps we are taking right now because we are going to let God change our perspective and the way we do things. There's going to be a new day. There's going to be a new day. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for each person here. I pray that you will make your vision for them and for their lives abundantly clear and that you will give us strength and power to chase after it. I pray, God, that every age-old hill and every ancient mountain that is stopping these folks from chasing the vision you have for them will be crumbled. I pray for those of, you, of us who have the chisels in our hands to dismantle the walls that are keeping some of us away. God, use it for your glory and your goodness to be built up in this world. Use us. God, to shine your light and ignite your change in the world. Amen.